find your place in Hebrews chapter number 11. Go ahead and stand with us for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. All right, Hebrews chapter number 11. The Bible says in verse number 1 of Hebrews chapter number 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he commended the world, or condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive, for an inheritance obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, help us now. We ask and pray. Do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, Lord, if we... See anything done this morning that's of any virtue, it'll be because of you. And we ask God that you'd help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, last uh, Sunday, we paused just a little bit and brought out this matter of worship. Uh, we see here, no doubt, that Abraham is a man or was a man of worship. He built altars where he went uh, and he purposed to worship the Lord. Uh, however, uh, although that be true, I want to try to get back into what the revelation, uh, the revelation of faith that we see each of these individuals portray to us. And there is no doubt that we find that uh, the life of Abraham does reveal to us that he was a man of worship, that uh, the God of heaven is worthy to be praised. He is to be worshipped, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's no doubt about that. But as we look and we see uh, that the faith of Abel shows us the blood sacrifice and the faith of Enoch revealed unto us in type the rapture of the church and we see uh, that Noah revealed to us grace and we know if you're saved and I'm saved this morning it's because we're saved by grace through faith and faith being the theme of this, uh, this uh, chapter in the word of God knowing that the faith of each of these individuals is portraying or revealing to us something. And while Abraham is no doubt a man of worship, and we do not uh, intend to correct what we said last Sunday morning, we want to try to go on and move forward with the theme as we see it. And I want you to understand here that Abraham's life is going to reveal to us uh, some things. Now, you find the, the blood sacrifice, we find the rapture of the church, and we find the grace of God. But you're going to find that as we look into the life of that of Abraham, you cannot find or you cannot miss that of repentance. And uh, I want to I try to call your attention to that. It may not jump out to you as you read this particular verse, but I believe as we dissect this few, these few verses of Scripture, uh, it will become more evident to us, no doubt, that we see that Abraham was indeed a man of repentance. All right, And so that's going to be very important. Uh, as we look into these verses of Scripture uh, that the Lord uh, has for us today, all right? If you will, I want to start out this morning by turning to Joshua chapter number 24 while you hold your place in the book of Hebrews and just lay a little foundation here. Uh, and I understand as we've been going through this that we have to do a lot of background work in order to make the point uh, that the Lord is showing us, but I do find that it is important for us to do that. And really what we're finding is just basically one point per message uh, and as we get through the end of this chapter, we're going to find that this chapter shows us many points uh, that points us to the Lord Jesus Christ and what it is to have true 
uh, salvation, all right? So Joshua chapter number 24, I want to show you something that you may know if you're a Bible student, uh, but uh, there's a possibility that you may not have realized this, and this is going to be imperative as we make the point today that the Lord has laid on our heart. Joshua chapter number 24, remind, let me remind you as we stated last Sunday, as we were studying this verse, these verses of scripture in, in the book of Hebrews concerning Abraham, that he was a man that worshipped, all right? Now we're going to find today that he is a man of repentance, but the, man, the fact that he's a man of worship is important because he was a man of worship before he ever comes on the scene here in the, the book of Genesis, all right? And Joshua chapter number 24 and uh, verse number, let's just start in verse number one. The Bible said, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. Even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. I want you to notice that. Verse 3 says, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Now I want you to notice here that you can deduce from this portion of Scripture that uh, Abraham and his family was a family of such that served and worshipped other gods. Abraham was not always a man that was pointed towards that of God. Now that's a good thing considering we just found out that Noah was saved by grace. You're going to find that Abraham wasn't what Abraham was because he always was God's man. But you find that God does something in the book of Hebrews for Abraham that gives Abraham an opportunity. Now every one of us, if you're saved by the grace of God this morning, are saved because God extended to you an opportunity. One that you did not deserve, as we found out this morning in Sunday school class, but one uh, that was extended to us nonetheless. Now Noah, as we found out, wasn't any more deserving than any of the rest. It's just that Noah, by faith, which is what? Trusting and believing what God says, moved with fear and prepared an ark. He believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It was not that Noah was righteous and that's why he was saved. It's that he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And I want you to understand something. If you're righteous in the Lord today because of the position that you have the blood that was shed at Calvary and washed your sins away, it's not because you've done anything. It's because you just believed and trusted in God. And believed on that name, which is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It's all about believing and putting our faith in the one that died for us. If I was putting my faith in myself, I would fail. If I was putting my faith in you, I would fail. And likewise, you the same if you were putting your faith in me. But we're putting our faith in the one who could swear by none other than himself because there was none greater, right? As we've learned in the past, we were not after the, the priesthood of, uh, of Aaron, but we were after the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek, which is another picture in time of the Lord only being able to trust the Lord. And we find it very plainly in Isaiah 53 that only the Lord could satisfy the Lord. That's not a new concept. You don't have what it takes and I don't either. And we find here that Abraham starts off his life with a family that is worshiping other gods than the Lord Je or than God, the God of heaven. Okay, and so notice what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number eleven. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number eleven and verse number eight, by faith Abraham. What's that mean? By faith Abraham. That's Abraham believing what God says. Faith is simply that. All right, it's believing God, taking God at his word in context of the, 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 the book and what we're finding and what the Bible's teaching us concerning faith. Faith isn't just blind hope that we're going to go out here and win the lottery, right? Uh, and, and so we understand here that we're putting our hope and faith in the Lord. How did Abraham do that if he was a worshiper of other gods? You'll find that God had to make the first move. And you're saved today if you're saved today because God made the first move. Not because you did, right? 
And so we understand here, this is not a new concept that uh, the Bible teaches us that the, 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 the Lord right here in, in uh, verse number 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Notice what verse, one, or verse 8 says when he was called to go out. When he was called to go out. If Brother Shane comes up here, it's because I've called Brother Shane to where I am at. I had to reach out. I had to speak his name. I had to call his attention to myself and let him know that I wanted him at the platform. Otherwise, Brother Shane's not coming to the platform while I'm preaching. The only way Brother Shane would come to the platform during my preaching is if I got so outlandish that I had to be drug out of here or if I called him and said, Brother Shane, come up here. I need to make a point. I want to use you for an example. Otherwise, he's not going to do that. Abraham is a worshiper of other gods. He's been trained by his family to worship other gods. He's doing what his family done. Notice now, Abraham was called to do what? Leave his family behind. This is the concept we're going to find in the New Testament when the Lord Jesus Christ is on the scene and he's teaching that you leave your father and mother and a man that won't hate his father and mother, brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, whoever it may be, and follow the Lord's not worthy to be his disciple. Why? Why? Because if Abraham wasn't willing to leave what his family was doing to go towards that of God, Abraham would not have been looking and trusting God by faith. And so here we find that a lot of these things that we see in the New Testament, understanding that the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry is talking to that of the Israelite, or the Jew rather, that he's dealing with a lot of things we find happening in the Old Testament. You have to take the Old Testament and collectively study the Old Testament in light of New Testament Scripture. And study New Testament Scripture in light of Old Testament Scripture. And a lot of times you'll find that the Lord, when He comes on the scene, takes things that we already see in the Old Testament and makes application with them in His very ministry. So can I say to you today, we're still supposed to make application with some things that we find in the Old Testament. Now we have to make the proper interpretation or we'll misapply what we're learning but we must look at the Old Testament. We're not done with the Old Testament in this grace dispensation that we live in, all right? So by faith, Abraham, when he was called, would go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance. So the Lord knocked on Abraham's door, so to speak. The Lord shows up on the scene and lets Abraham know uh, that he's got something that he wants Abraham to do. Now the Bible, a very familiar verse of Scripture here, uh, tells us in John 14 and 6, uh, Jesus saith, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now we see this in the revelation of the faith of Abel. How is that? Well, we under, understand here that Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by uh, the law purged uh, with blood, and, 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 with, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. So what are you seeing here? Abel... Please God through that of the sacrifice of a lamb and the blood that was slain, right? Jesus, we understand, was as of the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. He was the lamb. He is the lamb. He's not just a lamb. He's not just the lamb, but he's my lamb, all right? And so here's what's interesting. We see uh, that, that the Lord is making the provision. It's not able, but it's the blood that was shed of the lamb, all right, that the Lord created. All right, John 6 and 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. I will raise him up in the last day. Notice that. What, isn't it interesting that what we're seeing here in verse number 8 is the drawing of God. Now how does God draw you now? You can't come to God but through Jesus. But you'll not come to Jesus unless God draws you through the Spirit of God. Because when Jesus left this earth, the Spirit of God didn't come. Right? For those, uh, and when you get saved, the grace of God receive him, the Spirit of God dwells on the inside. But notice this, no man can come to me except the Father which sent me to draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Well, we've seen that in Enoch. Enoch was translated. So all these things are collectively tying together to show us something. The revelation of the faith of these individuals is showing us the ingredients that is needed for that of salvation. And when we get saved, what that salvation does for us in removing us from this life and placing us in an eternity with that of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm an eternal being today. 
I, my body, this flesh will lay down. I won't draw another breath one of these days. But I do want you to understand something. I'm going to live forever. I'm not going to die and be gone. Thank the Lord for that. So the Bible says here, No man can unto me except the Father which sent me draw, and I will raise him up in the last day. John 16, uh, verse 7 and 8 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But I, if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He will draw, he will, he will woo. So we see the drawing. We see a picture of the drawing right here in Abraham's life by God. Now, he could swear by none greater, and he can draw by none else than himself. That's how he draws us to him. It's through his very spirit that he sent when Jesus ascended and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, so it takes God to please God. And it takes God to draw you to him. He made the very first move in Hebrews 11, in verse number 8, regarding that of Abraham. And I want to say this. He's not doing anything that he wouldn't do for anyone, if anyone, but be willing to follow him. How do we know that? Look at little Ruth. Little Ruth said, I will make your God my God. And what happens? We find that she winds up gleaning in the field of Boaz, and we see in typology right there, and in picture, that she was saved when she did not deserve to be saved. A nothing, a nobody. So having said that, we... Consider here that, uh, that Abraham forsook uh, other gods. He had to forsake other gods and turn toward the one and only God of heaven. He had to walk away from mother and father and lands and all that he had and leave and go towards God. What is that a picture of? Repentance. Now there's a lot of people today that want their cake and they want to eat it too. And you know that that's an impossibility. And it's an impossibility to be saved by the grace of God today and not have come through that of repentance. And repentance is a turning away from. Now, I realize we got the love and we've got the mercy and we push those things and teach those things because if we're not careful, we, without love we have nothing. But you are not saved apart from repentance. And it is a doctrine today that we find that is imperative in the word of God. And if you want to get saved of the grace of God, you'll have to repent of your sins and turn from your wicked ways. And if you want to be right with God, you'll have to repent of your sins and turn from your wicked ways. There's no other way around it. You cannot please God apart from repentance. Abraham showed us his repentance by his willingness to walk away from what was wrong and go towards what was right, even though he could not see it. When you leave what you know, and you walk towards that of what you don't know, putting your faith in one that's speaking to you, giving you that are orders one step at a time, that's a different ball game altogether. But we find, as stated last Sunday, a lot of people rely heavily on mother and father and sister and brother and uh, that little network that they've got right there. And I want you to understand something. It could just be that God's wanting to break you away from your little network and place your hope and faith and trust in Him that you might win your little network for the glory and for the honor of God. And that's another message for another day. But I want you to know a lot of people are compromising their stand with God to please the masses or to please the family when God's really saying, if you just follow me, there's an opportunity for you to win those that you've been taken away from. And so, you know... Listen, I'm not going to get down that road. But Abraham had to walk away from a family and go towards God. Isn't that familiar? Turn with me to Mark chapter number 10 for just a moment. So familiar in the teachings of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Mark chapter number 10 and uh, verse number 29. The Bible said, and Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother. Now, now, hang on and cinch up tight. I want you to buckle up now because this might make a good Baptist head spin off his shoulders. The Bible said, Jesus answered, and verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife. Can I say that again? Or wife. Listen now. Or children. Or lands. For my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold 
Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands of the persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Now let me explain to you something here for just a moment. You might walk away from your mother, from your father. Now listen, I didn't say you go divorce your spouse. They, they, the Word of God teaches us that there's a time and a place, I don't care what Baptist preacher don't like it, to separate from a spouse that's trying to take you down the road of sin. Pull away, separate yourself. What, what does separation do? It draws a definitive line that says, I will not cross this for you because I love God more. And until you show that person, whether it be a spouse or a mother or a father, that you're willing to cross the line to stay on God's side, regardless of what they require to you, friend, you can't be what God wants you to be. But if you'll do that, that's when God steps in and does what you cannot do. But as long as you are willing to, to, to jump back and forth across the line, God cannot do what he wants to do. There's a lot of spouses, I don't know why I'm here, but there's a lot of spouses that hold, a, a hold this thing over top of another spouse's head. It's power. They use power to control somebody. And uh, they use that power in manipulative ways to be, uh, really to be the God of the home. Because they're not satisfied with being the head of the home, they want to be the God of the home. They actually are jealous of the place that God has in the relationship with a spouse. And this can work with a wife or with a husband. But I am the husband, so I'm thinking of it from that aspect. And what I'm trying to get you to understand this right here, until you say, I'm going to choose God over the husband or over the wife. God can't do what, that, what he needs to for that husband and that wife because that husband's still in charge. Or that wife is still in charge. They didn't realize that God's in charge and that you love God more. Now here's what happens. If I exercised power over my wife, and I manipulated her to make her do what I wanted her to do when I wanted her to do it. I would feel pretty powerful. I would be in charge. I'd be in control. And uh, I, I would maybe do those things really because of my own insecurities, mind you. Uh, but I do those things trying to control her. And uh, I can manipulate her to do what I want to do knowing that she'll have to go against God to do it. But that day that I decide to issue my power and control... And she stands up and says, I choose God rather than you. I realize I have no power. All my insecurities rise to the surface. Then I have to make a decision whether I am going to do what I want to do or whether I love my wife enough to do what it takes to stay with my wife. Now, I've got news for you. I'm a pretty big boy. I get frustrated sometimes. But if my wife ever leaves me, I'm packing up and going with her. Amen. Why? I can't, first of all, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give you a dime for another one, but I wouldn't take a million for the one I got. But what are you saying today? I'm saying I love my wife. And my wife is good to me. My wife takes care of me and my family. And uh, it's just a power trip is all it is when you do things like that. And I don't charge you no extra for that. I didn't mean to go there, but that's just the direction that the Lord uh, kind of placed in my heart. But you understand here that the Bible is teaching uh, in this gospel. The Lord is teaching in this gospel. That if you'd be willing to leave these things aside for the glory and for the honor of God, you'd be blessed. God will bless a spouse for putting him first in front of another spouse. Yes, he will. Now, there's a lot of preachers that will tell you that you'll be down and, and your, your, your relationships are going to fall apart and God, God will withdraw his hand from you. You put God first, friend, and God will always have his hand on you. He will. And when the rubber meets the road and you go through trials and tribulations, uh, he'll be there to stand with you when nobody else will and hold you up when no one else could. God will be there for you. When the, when the mother and the father and the sister and the brother and the husband or the wife or the aunt or the uncle or the friend or the employer would not be there for you, God will be there for you. But it is conditional that you put him first in your life. Having said all that, we continue to move on here. This is talking about the blessings of doing these things. Luke 14 26 says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Let me tell you what that equates to. Brother Marvin, that means you can't ride the fence. You have to make a decision. Now, I got some bad news for you tonight, this morning. 
If you're riding both sides of the fence, you're not serving God today. You're not following the Lord. You're just riding both sides of the fence. And, I, and you're not helping your family, and you're not helping the Lord. All you're doing is hurting the cause of Christ, hurting your family, and hurting yourself when you can't make a decision. God's saying it's time to make a decision. we got to make a decision. There's enough people in 2021 sitting on the fence being pulled in two different directions. And I understand tonight or this morning uh, that we probably got folk in this church house this morning uh, that's here when they got people that ought to be with them. That's not. You know what you do? You just keep coming, keep trusting God, and keep doing what God says and let God deal with the rest. But you better make a decision. Because as long as you're telling God that, God, you don't mean enough to me after you sent your son to die for me, for me to give myself wholly unto you, then you're saying I choose someone else other than you. God's not pleased with that. God's not pleased with that, and God will not honor that. Now, you know what a disciple is, don't you? It's a follower of Christ in every sense of the word. So if you cannot be a disciple by not following him, you know what you're doing? You're not following him, you're not with him. Now, you may have a relationship with him, but you don't have any fellowship with him because you're not close to him. You're not where he's at. God's not, God came to where you was that you might go with him where he is. But God didn't come to where you was to stay where you're at. God come to where you was to bring you up to where he's wanting to be. So the idea that we can do whatever we want to and God's just going to be in fellowship with us is absolutely 100% wrong. You can't do that. So this matter of, of being, and, and I'm going to say this while I'm on the subject. What about your relationship to the church? What about your relationship to the church? You understand the church is what Jesus died for. And I would say this to you. I am in a relationship with my wife. She is my wife. But if I only come home every other Friday for 12 hours, I don't have much of a relationship. I mean, I'm hers by law, and she's mine by law. And we, we are in a union by law, but there's no fellowship. There's nothing there. And that's no different than somebody saying, well, I'm a part of God's church, but I only associate myself with the church. But every once in a while, how would you like your marriage to be that way? How would you like your children to be that way towards you? How would you like to see your wife or your husband or your children just ever great once in a while? God's wanting us to fellowship and to exhort one another and to be with one another. And now listen, I understand, I mean, we know we take into consideration and into account and, and I'm sure I please some and displease some others by not having service on Wednesday night. I don't know. But I mean, I mean, we can't have church if there ain't nobody here and people were traveling and people were going to be gone. But let me say this to you. We're having church today. We'll have church tonight. We'll have church on Wednesday night. And when the doors is open, you ought to be here. You ought to be part of what's going on. Because you can't say that you're in a relationship with the church and part of something that God's wanting you to be part of and never just but every once in a while take part in that. That's no different than your husband running around all hours of the night all the time and just showing up every once in a while. Wouldn't you wonder what he was doing? Wouldn't you wonder why after all you do and all you provide for and all that you, effort that you put in that there's nothing there? That the person don't care enough to come home and be a part of what's going on. I like what one preacher said. He was about seven years old. He said, if you still got to go hunting with your buddies every other week, he said, you ain't ready to get married. He said, I go hunting, but he said, I take my wife with me. She likes to deer hunt. She likes to fish. And when they go, they go together. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. But if you still got to hang out with your buddies all the time, you wasn't ready to get married. Your wife or your husband is your friend. I run off in a rabbit trail, friend, but that's all right. These are some good rabbit trails I'm hitting uh, this morning. But this matter, we see a request from God in verse 8, a calling, if you will. Then we see repentance towards God. How? Because Abraham literally turns. Repentance, by definition of the word, is a change of heart resulting in a change of action. It's a turning away from something. But you cannot turn away from something, Brother Marvin, without turning unto something else. And so Abraham not only forsook, but he turned towards that of the Lord. And repentance is a change of mind or conversion from sin to God. Also definition of the word. Uh, repentance is the relinquishment of any practice from conviction that it has offended God. Now, I will say this, Abraham was an offender of God by not worshiping God, but worshiping other idols. 
God is still offended by you and I putting other things in front of him. Now God's going to, we're going to find, not to get ahead of myself, and we're not going to deal with this this morning, but we're going to find later on in the scripture, God gives him the ultimate test. God sees that he leaves his family, and he leaves his mom and daddy. But if you'll notice that what Jesus said in the gospel of Mark, it wasn't just mom and daddy, it could be wife, it could be children. God says, all right, I'm going to have you take Isaac, your only son Isaac. And I understand that what uh, Brother Isaac was talking about this morning and what Brother Shane had mentioned too, you, you look at uh, Ishmael, you look at Isaac, that's more than one son. But uh, there's, a, there's a thought pattern there. That's not God going against God's word. I'll explain that maybe tonight if the Lord would help us for just a little while at what God means by that, that he, Isaac was Abraham's only son. And then he tells Abraham, he says, take your only son Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. What is that? That's the ultimate test to see if Abraham is going to put God first. I've got news for you. We got some in our church, in our congregation, uh, and members of our church that are putting people and things in front of God. Don't even act like you'd lay your child down on an altar. Well, I'd be hard pressed to take one of mine, Brother Marvin, and set him down on an altar and get ready to kill him. But you do understand that Abraham, one that worshipped idols, turned and he went towards God and it was counted unto him for righteousness and he was a man of faith because he believed God. So having said that, we understand here that repentance is a turning away from but a turning towards. And repentance is a, the relinquishment of any practice from conviction that has offended God. I believe that Abraham was convicted of what he had done. Now let me say this. Go with me to Genesis. I think it's chapter uh, number 17. Genesis chapter number 17. See if I'm right here. I don't have it marked. But I want to try to grab this if I can. I you to notice something about. What the Lord does. Here in Abraham's life. Genesis chapter number 17. All right. Genesis chapter number 17. <clears throat> the Bible says here, And when Abraham was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram. Notice that. And, was, and when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Now, let me explain to you what's going on here. I believe that at this time, the Lord has fully revealed unto Abraham the attributes of the God that he serves. The almighty God. You need to understand this, okay? And I don't have time to go into all of this here, but this is, a, this is a picture, a revelation to Abraham, some things about God that he might not have really understood in his service to the Lord. And I want to say this, you and I didn't understand everything. And we still don't. And the reason I know we don't is because God held Moses in the cleft of the rock and covered him so that he would only see his hinder parts because if the glory of God had been revealed unto Moses in its entirety, he would have killed Moses deader than a hammer. So what are you saying here right here? I believe that Abraham in his relationship and in his faith and putting his belief in the Lord is getting to see God in his reality. But God is slowly revealing himself. And right here in this chapter, we see the revelation of God before that of Abraham. He says here, and when Abraham, Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Now we refer to Abram as Abraham. But he was Abram before God named him that of Abraham. And Abram was a man that worshipped idol gods. He was raised that way. I want to say this too. You can rise above your raisin, thank God. You can spend your whole life blaming mom and dad for everything that's wrong in your life, and friend, you will be wrong when you reach the judgment. Understand here that uh, Abram was uh, 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Still that calling. Do you see that? He's still drawing and still wooing and he's still, he's saying, are you serious? But notice what happens here. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply the exceeding. And Abram, look what happens, fell on his face. And God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. What is that? Why did God change his name? Because he became a new man. 
He was a new man from the revelation of God in his life. He's turned from what he knew to what God wanted him to do, and God has changed his name. Now, you do understand here, the Bible teaches us, uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. This is God putting his stamp of approval on differentiating between what Abram was to what Abram now is, that of Abraham. And he makes a nation, a great nation, out of this man who had great faith. And so, there's a matter of repentance here. Notice Abram falls on his face, Brother Marvin. On his face. Why? Because God is being revealed to him, the almighty God. Now, he was an idol worshiper. That means that he could worship more than one. There's a lot of people that don't have a problem with God. But they want to coexist among other gods. They want, to, they want to believe in whatever, you know, this ecumenical movement where you can just do whatever, think whatever, uh, believe whatever, and uh, it don't matter just as long as you put your faith in something. No, there's one name, and it is the name Jesus Christ, and there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus, through Jesus alone. Nobody else can get the job done, friend. And so God is revealing to, to uh, Abraham his almighty power. And Abram falls on his face, and God talked with him, saying, Getting on your face is a good place to be. Getting on your face. And I'm going to say to you this morning, if you ain't been on your face in a while, I dare say, God, you've not seen God in his, in his glory like you ought to. Say, well, God hadn't moved by. But when's the last time you got in the Scriptures and dug him out of the Scriptures? When you get in the Bible and really start studying and the Lord reveals himself to, uh, to you, who he is and reminds us, even those of us that are saved, who have a tendency to walk away from God, reveals unto us what he really is, it will put you on your face. And when you're on your face, you're in a place to hear from God. Notice that on his face is where God began to speak to that of Abraham. All right, and so Abraham is a man that has great faith. Now, I want you, uh, faith, I want you to notice here this matter of repentance. And this is what I'm really driving at uh, this morning because we've seen the blood. We, we've witnessed the blood in Hebrews chapter number 11. Not only have we seen the blood, but we've seen the rapture. We've seen the rapture and we see grace. We see this matter of salvation by grace through faith. But it comes from repentance. How do you know? Well, Luke 15 and 3 says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all, A-L-L. Now Jesus came for who? For all, whosoever will. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should what? Come to repentance. So notice this, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. 2 Corinthians 7 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but of sorrow of the world worketh death. Notice this, faith. Faith. This man of faith. Faith will cause you to acknowledge what you are. Now we're saved by grace, but what? Through faith. Faith is what? Believing God. Well, you don't believe God if you don't acknowledge that you're a sinner. For not to acknowledge that you're a sinner, as we've learned, is calling God a liar. And it is impossible for God to lie. So what does that mean? That means that in order uh, to, to be saved by grace through faith, you have to what? You have to acknowledge something. You have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Then you have to accept what he done for you. And so faith will cause you to acknowledge, it'll cause you to accept, and it'll cause you to abide. You understand that Abraham was happy to sojourn in a land in which he didn't fully even understand really what all was going on. He was just living by faith, trusting God. Isn't it amazing that you and I live by faith, trusting God, even in a, in a time when we sometimes don't really understand what's going on? A lot of times, Brother Shane, we have to look in retrospect, look in reverse, and then we see, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. But we didn't understand it then. I can't help but think when Jesus Christ descended into the lower parts of the earth and he preached Christ Jesus and him crucified that Abraham didn't scratch his head and go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Understand something, those old patriarchs, they made it uh, into paradise because they were looking forward to the truth. The truth. Now they had to accept Jesus Christ and him crucified, but they didn't go to hell because they believed in God and what God's word said. 
You need to understand that they trusted God. It was faith. All right, so faith will cause you to acknowledge, accept, and abide. It's to turn from something, uh, this matter of repentance is turning from something and turning towards something else. Now, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, shows us that God promises a land to Abraham. And he promises Abraham uh, to be a father of many people. And he promises the blessings of God on his life. Now, I want you to notice this. God's promised us a land. And we look towards that land because we have faith in what Jesus says. What his word says, what God says. But notice that he's a father of many people. What's that mean? Well, you're going to find, and, I, and I'm trying not to get into this already this morning, but you find this matter of, of Ishmael and you find this matter of Isaac. Abraham fathered both children. Only one of them was accounted to him as a child. Even though the Bible teaches that he had two sons, only one was considered his son. Why? Because one was of a promise and the other was not. One was of the flesh. Also a type and picture of what's going on here in this matter of salvation. I want you to understand something. We as the people of God who are saved by the grace of God, who had to be called out first, who had to repent and turn from what we knew to what we now know, that being Lord Jesus Christ, are, are doing what? We're working that we might see those born again into the family of God. How does that work? How does that work? How do we get folk in? Well, you're going to find right here Abraham made a mistake. And although he sired one, he, that one was not of a promise. We can drag them in by the thousands if we want to, but the idea is that we can get them saved and on their way to heaven. I'm not interested in filling this thing up and sending a boatload of kids off to hell. I'm interested in getting people into God's house and getting them saved for the glory and for the honor of God that they might be in eternity with him. How do we do that? The repentance. We must teach and preach Repentance. We must have the blood. We see that in verse 4 of chapter 11. And because of the blood, there'll be a rapture. We see that in chapter 5. And in verse, I mean, verse number 5 of chapter number 11. And uh, verse number 6, uh, we, or verse number 7, we see grace and we thank God for grace. But we must have repentance. And we see that in verses 8 and 9. He was a man that repented. And we thank the Lord for his repentive spirit. And I want you to know this morning that if you're going to be right with God, you're going to have to repent. Now, I do like this. We see a request from God, a call, if you will. Abraham answers the call. We see repentance towards God. Then we see the reaction of God. How is that? God is not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love. When, uh, when he moved towards that of God, when he separated himself from mother and father, when he left the lands and when he moved towards God, God blessed him for it. God will bless you today uh, for moving away from the world and moving towards him. He will. He will bless you for it. Can I say this? All the blessings and the promises of Abraham were not all received right away. But I'd say Abraham's feeling pretty good about it today, wouldn't you? And I want to say this today. We put all of our stock in what's going on right now. But what we got going on right now, when it's over with, what are you going to put your stock in then? The eternal, the eternal benefit is what we're looking at here. So we see a request from God, repentance towards God, of the reaction of God. God blessed him. But listen to this. We see the reverberations induced by God. We feel it today. We are listening and talking about the faith of Abraham in 2021, thousands of years after Abraham has passed off the scene and gone by. Because God, through the faith of that man, used the faith of that man to help me and you and people like us every day. And will, because his word is even recorded in heaven as we know, will always stand as a testament to the faith of this man. Can I say to you, faith will have... A lasting effect. Why? Because he left father and mother and went towards God. Listen to me and I'm done this morning. If you're not willing to forsake those things, you're going to have a lasting effect. And it ain't going to be the lasting effect that you want. But if you'll forsake that for the glory and for the honor of God, I want you to understand something today. God can reverberate and induce a, a picture of your faith to have a lasting effect on a people like you may never understand. 
Abraham not only did not fully understand the promises that was given him, he did not fully understand the blessing that he was going to be to a lost and dying world through his faithfulness. So not only does his faithfulness reveal some things, but it reverberates. The Lord reverberates. The reverberations are induced by God. God, in other words, got behind Abraham and not only blessed him, but, but revealing truths about his life to us is continuing to make an impact. Do you understand that? Did you know that if you'll just have faith in the Lord, trust in God, do what he wants you to do, follow him when all else is falling down around you, that God can bless you and not only bless you, but make you a blessing to others unlike anything you can fathom on this side of eternity. Now listen to me. Notice what I just said. On this side of eternity, we may not understand it. Do you ever get weary and well-doing? Do you ever wonder why you ain't seen anything happen? Do you ever wonder why that you're not seeing any results from the seeds that are sown? Listen to me. Seeds were sown that come to fruition after Abraham was passed off the scene. You and I today don't have to see the results all the time to trust God because that's what trusting God is. It's not seeing, it's believing. And I take God at his word knowing that if I do what God says, whether this church holds 200 or whether it's got 25 on Sunday morning, I trust that if I plant, God will give the increase. We do not, we do not serve by sight. We do not trust by sight. We're not saved by sight. It's all by faith. And faith is what? Taking God at his word. You Put God to the test, and God will prove to you every time that he is God. Just believe and just trust in him. So repentance. Quickly, the Bible tells us here in Acts 2 and 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. Well, I thought blood being shed was for the remission of sin. It is. But all the blood in the world could have been shed. But if you're not willing to accept what Jesus has done for you and repent, that blood will do nothing for you. Oh, yes, Jesus died. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus did what only Jesus could do. But you've got a part to play that only you can do. And Jesus cannot do it for you. Nor will he do it for you. So the Bible says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? God reveals himself as almighty God. And, and, and you understand here that John 1 and 12, this is to Abraham, he reveals himself to Abraham as almighty God. And uh, we see here in John 1 and 12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. So simply, remission of sins because of blood. We find that in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 11, blood, blood. Saved by grace, through faith, not, not of anything that we deserved. Abraham didn't deserve it either. God extended an invitation to Abraham that Abraham did not deserve. God made the first move, but Abraham had to repent. He had to turn away from something towards God. And the Bible said that Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Acts 17 and 30, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Acts 3 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted. We see a picture of that in Abraham becoming Abraham from that of Abram. God does not refer to Abraham as Abram anymore. God doesn't see you and me as he did before our conversion. Thanks be unto God about that. You know, sometimes I can see me before my conversion. Sometimes you might could see me before my conversion if you knew me. I might could see you before your conversion. But the Lord Jesus Christ, sees, or God sees the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank the Lord for that. The Bible says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. My question to you this morning is this. Have you ever repented? You can do all these things, but if you've never repented and, and seen yourself uh, for who you are, Friend, I wouldn't trust what, what I'm trusting in. I'd be trusting in the Lord. Now, you can trust and believe in Him, but you need to understand it comes through repentance. What's that mean? Well, now, you do know the Bible teaches if a man looketh on a woman lustfully, he's committed adultery with her already in his heart. 
God's accounted it to men and women that have looked upon other people that they never ever touched with their finger. That they'd already committed something in their heart that was against God. So can I say to you, you say, well, I, I, I didn't, maybe didn't say it just quite right, preacher. Maybe I'm not trying to scare you into saying it just right. There is no just right way to do it. It's a matter of the heart. And I'll be honest with you, when you come out of that pew headed for that altar, I believe you already got saved, friend. Because you put your pride aside and your heart was right with the Lord. And in your heart, you confessed to God what you was. I can communicate with God, friend, in my private place. What I'm saying to you, I'm not trying to tell you you've got to say something just a certain way. But I'm telling you, there better be a certain place in time where you realize that you was against God and you had to turn from what was to what is. And I want to say this, I worry about people that get saved by the grace of God and there's nothing on the inside of them that ever pick, picks on them and pokes on them and prods on them when they're not doing what God wants them to do. I wouldn't trust that, friend. Why? Because it's anti-God. And we're not walking by what we see. We're walking by what we know in the Word of God. You better quit looking at folk around you because there's every flavor of everything one could want in the society that we live in today. But there's one book, and that's the only thing worth believing, friend. And what God says about it is the final authority. So remember, have you repented? Was there ever a place in time that said, well, we see the blood, I'm glad there's the blood. Yep, we go back to a time of the shame where the blood was shed. Amen. We go back to a time maybe where the Lord uh, extended an invitation. That's all great and well. But you better be able to go back to a time where you said, I am a sinner on my way to hell and I need to get right with God and turn from my wicked ways. If you haven't done that, friend, I'd be concerned this morning. So we all stand to our feet. Maybe you've been saved with the grace of God. Maybe you're trying to live by faith. Maybe you're trying to walk with Him. Maybe you've got somebody in your relationship. Uh, with, uh, you're in a relationship with somebody this morning that, that's keeping you from God. You better choose God. You better choose God if you want His blessings, if you want His help. Maybe you are trying to do all these things. Maybe you're saved. Maybe you're putting God first. I want you to understand something. You better realize that the, the reverberations that are induced of God based upon your faith can last all through the ages even after you're gone. You're making decisions today, friend, that, that are causing problems possibly that you can't see today will have a lasting effect. But you can trust God, do what God says, have faith in Him, and He can do things with your faith that when you can't see it on this side of eternity, might make it to the judgment seat of Christ, only to find out at that time that God done great and wonderful things with your steadfastness and willingness to obey Him even when you couldn't see the fruit from it. If you need to do business with God, I would get you to do business with God this morning as she plays. Look.